With a lockdown, because we had the stay-at-home order here in New Jersey, my business flatlined for four months, four oh, to five. Wow. Absolutely no income. It is starting to pick up again, but now there's the the looming threat of more tighter controls again because the pandemic is out of control. His name is Neil Van Nieker, awesome photographer from the East Coast. I think he's in New York, but we'll find out from there. And he does an amazing stroke photos and wedding photos. We're also going to find out what other type of photography that he does. What's up, Neil? Thank you so much, man. Appreciate this. Yeah, pleasure being here. Cool. So you're at your studio right now. So where, where are you guys at? Where are you at? Where's your studio right now at, located at? North, North Jersey. I'm about... 17 miles or so out of Manhattan. Oh, nice. And do you shoot a lot in? Oh, there's that beautiful studio. Do you get a lot of business in your studio? Are, are, are people, is it worth having a studio as a photographer? Okay, well, I'm moving out of this studio space tomorrow <laughs> oh. to a bigger, better studio, two, three miles up the road. The studio has definitely made a difference for me. I would lose money if I didn't have the studio. Oh, wow. So the main income is, uh, is it because of the COVID time or you've always made that kind of studio money before the COVID also? Have you always done studio work? Well, we'll have to take this a little bit further back. My income is varied. It's weddings, portraits, it's time lapse. It is affiliate income of my website. It's a whole range of uh, income streams. Oh, wow. Is my audio loud enough? I can yeah, I hear you loud and clear. Make sure everybody is, you know, listening. cool. Audio is fine. Tom said audio is fine. Thank you, Tom. And then uh, about eight years ago, I got the studio space. And about a year into it, I realized I could always rent the studio space out to other photographers. Oh, so that's awesome. Out, and I more than make my monthly income. I make, make sorry, I make more than my monthly rental just of renting off at the studio. And it got oh. to the point where I can possibly justify a bigger studio just by renting it out, which means I have a free studio that I can use for headshots and everything else and storing a, a huge amount of gear. So I do headshots here, I do portraits here, I create content for my blog. So the studio has various uses, uses and then also I rent it out and that covers the cost of the studio. That is so smart. I never thought of it like that. I didn't want to get the studio because I didn't feel like I needed to spend the extra income, but you could actually make money even if you have a studio and rent it out. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, so yeah. half, half the people that rent out my studio uh, have their own access code to the studio, so they come and go as they need to, coordinating with me, of course. Um, so I could have somebody renting out my studio and I might be doing headshots in Manhattan. And at the same time, I'm running one or two cameras somewhere else as time-lapse. So the idea is to have multiple streams of income. Because if you, if you trade hours for money, you'll never really make enough money. Unless you're in the upper echelon of medical field or engineering or something like that in IT. Then... Trading your hours for money makes sense, but anybody else, if you work at work retail or minimum hours, minimum wage or something like that, you'll never get ahead. You'll never get anywhere trading 
hours of your life for money. So you kind of have to figure out ways to diversify your income. That is so that is so smart. Most of us photographers who just shoot weddings and family photos, it's labor. We have to work and physically be there to make that money, and we don't have yeah. any extra yeah, income. Yeah, you have to charge accordingly. Yeah. Nice. And, and that's a problem a lot of photographers have when they start out. They buy a camera and then they want to make a bit of money with the equipment, but they barely cover the cost of the gear and definitely not the time. And they just make it tougher for anybody else to actually make a living off this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to talk about you for a little bit. So, uh, when did you start photography? Photography as an interest has been since middle school, so close wow. to 50 years ago. But I've been a professional in this country for about 18 years now because we emigrated to South Africa in 2000. Where are, you, where are you from? Where are you originally from? I love the accent. <laughs> South Africa, specially imported. I climbed over uh, the fence one day and here I am. That's amazing. So uh, when you first started photography, what were you shooting? What, did, what, what made you money with your camera? Okay, when I first started shooting as a kid, my interest was nature. So being in South Africa, there's easier access to game reserves and wildlife. And uh, so I started taking photos of birds and animals. And then I soon realized that the toys, the fun stuff, is a lot more interesting than passively observing animals and birds. So the photography picked up from there. And for myself, I, I like portraits. I like people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like interacting with people. So even in my professional work, it's headshots, it's weddings, it's portraits. It's generally people-related. People you know, I wanted to talk about that business of headshots. Uh, I personally have done some, but I haven't really dug deep into it because I didn't fully understand the kind of money that you can make. Now, if you don't mind, what, what kind of uh, money from range lowest to the highest that you've made for just portrait type of photography? <laughs> I, would, I would say I'm in the mid-range here. You... You have to really market yourself very specifically to be able to ask a higher price, to be in the range that Peter Hurley would be. You know, and also it depends on where you are. If you're in Manhattan, you can charge differently than if you're deeper in Pennsylvania. It's just mm -hmm. the your local market will determine a lot of that. It also means that I charge more money when I work in Manhattan. If I do any kind of corporate work, commercial work in Manhattan, I do charge more than here, not just for travel and parking and all the other expenses, but because you seem weaker if you, char if you don't charge accordingly. You will get passed over for work if you don't charge an appropriate price. They don't think you're professional enough or of a high enough standard. So you kind of have to read your market. And I'm sure people will disagree with me on this somewhere. No, no, I, people so disagree with you know? You ask People 10 photographers of something, you get 12 <laughs> opinions. Oh, my gosh. Right? So you're totally right about that. I think it's important to know that a lot of us who are nervous about making money with photography, we think, oh, let's charge low so we could try to start getting customers. But that just makes you look like a cheap photographer from the get-go. So that's Also, it, it kind of fixes you in a certain range. It fixes you with a certain segment of the market. Mm. So are you... Um, so besides nature, what was, did you make money shooting the nature? What was your no, first no, no. big 
speaking? No, right? What was your no. first money making photography business that you and that that just kind of caught you? Well, in South Africa, I shot for a commercial studio doing corporate work. So I would be photographing corporate events, handshakes and that kind of stuff. Not exciting, but for me as a part-time photographer, this was like a big league. Uh, the, in, in the United States, I started off shooting weddings. I started off, uh, I approached the local studio with my portfolio and it impressed them enough that I started second shooting for them and then shooting as a principal. And I ended up shooting for about five or six different studios in the area until I went into business for myself. But then when I got the studio space, I specifically wanted to move out of weddings more into commercial and corporate work. And the studio would allow me that. Oh, I do uh, product shots here as well. So it's a, it's a diverse range of things I do. Well, so that you were able to learn how to shoot weddings through working for other companies and then just start doing your own. Are you still shooting weddings right now? I do have a few of my own clients, but I primarily second shoot and shoot as a primary for other studios. Mm. The idea was that during the week I would do the corporate and commercial work, and then over weekends I shoot for studios, and I don't have to sit in front of the computer editing the stuff. Here are the mm -hmm. files, here's my check, thank you, and I'll see you next weekend. And then during the week I could concentrate on my own work. Obviously things changed this year radically with the pandemic and corporate work is just non-existent. But yeah, mm -hmm. that, was the, that was the plan is that I diversify and also I gradually move into something that... Uh... Okay, here's the thing. Weddings is hard work. It's physically tough on the body. I think if you don't feel the pain after a wedding you're not doing it properly it is it is seriously it's physically draining swinging cameras around for eight to ten hours and uh, i turned 59 this year so at some point it physically starts hurting i mean no no kidding it, it hurts the body so i wanted to shift into something a little more easy headshots portraits stuff in the studio where I, i'm i'm i have to move around less but then i ended up second shooting shooting for other studios so uh, I just kind of doubled the amount of physical work I do. <laughs> I think second shooting is less physical than being the, the first shooter, right? You don't have to lead as much. You can just kind of hang back a little bit and slow it down and shoot less and carry less gears and things like that, right? It's, it's also less stressful because as the, as the principal photographer, it is on you to help the day runs smoothly. You have to keep your eye on the timeline. You have to be like, okay, guys, we've got to get moving. You've got to keep things rolling because if you don't, it always comes back to you because the church should start on time. The reception is going to start on time. If anything runs later, the church, what gets compressed, the photography time, you can't start the party late because then you have all the guests and the DJ and the maitre d' and everybody else on top of you. So you you got to, you got to keep things rolling and that is your job as a principal. So in a way, as the main photographer, the principal photographer, you kind of become the f wedding coordinator in a way, in some ways, because you have to keep things going. As, as the second photographer, there's less of that pressure on you. And that, that pressure does, it does tire you out. It, uh, after a wedding day, you know, it's physically and mentally taxing.
Does it? Did you feel like you were a betting better wedding photographer because you were a stroke photographer? And do you feel like being a wedding photographer also helps you become a better stroke photographer? Is there some kind of relationship between those two kind of different photography? I strongly believe this, and again, some people might not agree, but your better wedding photographers are fantastic all-rounders. You have to work well with people, you have to do portraiture, you have to know your lighting, you have to work with flash lighting and available light. It, it is, it is a, div, a diverse range of uh, fields in photography that you have to be very familiar with and very confident with to be a, a, a better at a, a so to be sorry I, i'm stumbling here to be really good as a wedding photographer and i think your wedding photographers will agree that it's a it's a, it's a multi-discipline thing you have to be really good at a lot of things so i think with that wedding photography if you're really good at it you are pretty good at a lot of other things too mm, that's so awesome that's so awesome so um so right now, during this COVID times, are you um, business? We're talking about just business. Are you making more? Are you making less money? Are you doing OK, breaking even? Or do you feel like you're making more money because the business kind of shifted to something different? With a lockdown, because we have the stay at home order here in New Jersey, my business flatlined for four months, four oh, to five. Wow. Absolutely no income. It is starting wow. to pick up again, but now there's the the looming threat of more tighter controls again because the pandemic is out of control. Uh, I'm trading water at the moment. Hopefully next year things will work better because we'll have a grown-up in the White House. Mm. <laughs> right. The pandemic, uh, there's, there's vaccines on the way and that will help correct things again. So there's a severe loss in the job market in the United States. And that means a lot of people have less expendable income. There's, there'll be a lot of people that are homeless, not able to afford food. So we are headed for another recession. So we're not quite sure what's going to happen next year. So oh not to be all gloomy about it, but we have to be yeah. realistic. If you look at the figures, we're in for a really rough time next year. But hopefully with a better uh, uh, administration and specifically the vaccines that will help correct things again and hopefully will it'll pick up again but at the moment i'm i'm treading water i'm, I'm staying afloat mm -hmm. and even then as i said i got a new studio space a bigger <laughs> right. i'm moving in so even with all of that conservative the need to be more conservative with finances i decided what the hell let me get a better studio moving and, and financially it made sense because I, I can make it work oh it's, it, right it's all about shifting and we don't have to stay broke we could just shift our business and figure out how to make that extra money yeah so. and and with that i've always been of the opinion that you better off the people that aren't too specialized are better off because the markets will change the technology will change the technology is changing so fast that we can barely keep up. So I think for photographers to have a three-year plan or five-year plan or 10-year plan like you might have had years back is not realistic at all. Uh, the internet absolutely changed everything. If you look at Google, Google started in 98, less, just over 20 years ago. In 20 years, the landscape has dramatically changed. The digital 
came in and absolutely changed everything. So if you have long-term plans, it would better be so non-specific as let me make more money. That's about as specific as you can be for a five-year plan. The things will change. And with that, we have to adapt. Mm -hmm. But I'm also... Words of advice that, uh, that stays with me that I take to heart is... Uh, Louis Pasteur said, chance favors the prepared mind. In other words, if you're ready for opportunity, when an opportunity arrive, arises, you're better able to adapt to it and you know, make it useful for yourself. So that you kind of have to keep your eye open on opportunities, uh, new niches that might arise how technology might change things, how the market changes. You've got to just keep your eyes open because if you stay fixed on one ideal, I think you're going to be left behind. Things do change. So I was wondering too, so like since you've been doing photography for such a, a good amount of time, do you feel like it's gotten more difficult now compared to when you were uh, doing photography business back then? Are you making, do you feel like you're making more money or are you able to shift and just like you said, you you adapt to the business, and now you're making still good money consistently. Is it more difficult now because of the technology and easy access compared to back in the days where you had to be a specialist, a photographer, to have again a, a again a complex question where you can't just give a yes or a no. Mm -hmm. I do think things wouldn't say better. Things are different. Different. Your mm -hmm. traditional model that you would have where a wedding photographer would be able to sustain a family just with wedding photography, that has changed. I think that's going to become a rarity. Your, mm -hmm. your current photographers will have to adapt and be mul have, have multiple disciplines that they, that they uh, work in. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just I, talking about... Sorry, and I, do, and I do think the technology makes things easier. The, when I started, we had six megapixel cameras. <laughs> uh, things changed when the Canon 1DS came out, which was 11 megapixels. That's when people started dumping their hustle blasts because 11 megapixels was, well, we can now start approaching uh, medium format. And currently, 24 megapixels is kind of the standard. 24, that's a huge amount of pixels. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, the quality is there. And we can do so much more with digital than we could with film. Uh, and with that, I hope to never shoot film again. I don't think I ever will. I don't <laughs> want to touch film again. I did you, not <laughs> it's too much. Did you used to Crash develop in, in your lab, just actual developing? Crash marks and <laughs> dust and all that crap. I don't want to deal with that again ever. Getting quality right. From, quality from digital is so much better than you'd ever have with film. Fight me. <laughs> right, there's gonna be some people that's like, no. Oh my god, that's so amazing. So I, with I, shot, yeah. I shot with uh, for about thirty years I shot in slide form for myself. I used Fuji Chrome. Beautiful saturated colors. If I now look at those chromes, they're not as good as digital capture. Digital capture has a richer saturation and sharper, everything better than the Fuji Chromes. It's, mm. I wish all the, all the stuff that I'd shot over 30 plus years, I wish I had that as original digital captures. It'll just look so much better. Mm. That's, just, that's where we are. Fight me. Yeah. 
<laughs> right, more people arguing against that, right? Uh, so um, when it comes to your studio, um, what what kind of business, when you do your portraits in studio, are you shooting a lot of like actors, real estate agents? What kind of people are you shooting? What, what do they need it for? Well, here in New Jersey, there are a few actors than you would have in Manhattan. So here it is more business people, real estate, and so on. Uh, uh, North Jersey has a lot of uh, businesses. We have a lot of office parks. So mm. it's business people that we need headshots. Uh, so I wanted to ask you also, Neil, can you share a with everybody a photography technique uh, before I let you go, just to share some knowledge of um, anything that you like. Okay, I have a website which some might be familiar with. I'm gonna, I'll post it here in the link. Yes, please. There's about a thousand articles there and tutorials. And some of it deals with bounce flash and how to make bounce flash look like off-camera lighting. There's a specific way that you can manipulate your on-camera flash to give you directional soft light. And I've written five books on photography, and one of them deals specifically with on-camera flash. And the idea with this is that you flag your flash, and I use a little piece of black foam like that that I put over the head of my flash, and I can get directional light that looks like off-camera lighting. Here's just one of the examples. Oh, wow. So it, you get more light on the one side of the face. You get that gradient of light across the other cheek. So it really looks like off-camera lighting. This was with on-camera bounce flash. So that kind of technique is well within the reach of anybody with a little bit of thought about where do you want your light to come from. So I bounce my flash into the direction of into the direction that I want my light to come from. So I don't use plastic diffusers and fong dongs and all the crap uh, modifiers on my flash. I think in terms of, here's my subject, how should I pose my subject, and where do I want my light to come from? And that's where I bounce my flash to have the light coming from a very speci specific direction. And the thing to keep in mind here is that posing and lighting is interconnected. You have to figure out your posing in terms of your lighting or vice versa figure out your lighting in terms of your posing. So that's in, that's important. So I got a comment here. Neil likes the word crap. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I actually don't use the word crap a lot. That is just me muting it down for audio. That's how he's your friend? Is he a friend of yours? No. Yeah, he, he, he thinks he's a friend, but not really. I don't like him much. <laughs> he's so funny. He's um, over here. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, that's okay. That's great. Uh, so Neil, um, I actually would love to interview you more and actually we have a full we video. Got, we got another few minutes. We can linger. Oh, good, good. I feel so rushed. I totally made a mistake of just allotting twenty minutes. That's just crazy. So you know. Um, so I would love for you to talk. Oh, I, I wanted to, you to finish that up. So when you say bounce flash. Now, are you going full manual? Or are you, is it TTL? Or are you just bouncing it directly on top of you? To How did you get that specific studio look from your photo? What did you do? What's your exact? I mostly bounce in TTL flash unless it's a specific subject at a specific distance. Mm -hmm. So if I photograph corporate events, I don't have time 
to do a test shot and do a test shot and do a test shot to nail my exposure. I have to shoot in TTL and I have to be familiar enough with my equipment that I can anticipate what the exposure would be. And if I should have, if I should have exposure compensation dialed in, you kind of have to read your subject, whether there's a lot of black or a lot of white, or you just know your flash and your camera system well enough to know that I need to dial in plus a third or plus 0.7 compensation as a default. So with corporate events, it is, hey guys, look over here, camera, boom, and again, boom, thank you, and you're done. You don't have the time or the opportunity to do a test shot and a test shot because you will lose people's interest. They'll think you're a fool because you have to be slick enough to go, hey guys, just get a little closer for the camera, and again, thank you, and we're done. A few seconds, that's all they're going to give you. So with that, I shoot TTL because it gets me close enough that I can, in post, maybe adjust the exposure up and down a little bit, that it's close enough. But there are also instances where I bounce my flash at venues, massive venues, and then I go to manual power because I need to dump full power flash maybe. It, it, it really it depends, but most often for events, it's TTL bounce flash. Wow, that, I just learned something from you right there. I just learned something from you right there that I could not believe I've been doing because I do a test shot and I'll be like, hold on guys, I'm gonna test it out a couple of times. But the fact yeah. that you said, pretend yeah. that you got the shot and make yourself look good, Ah, oh, that just ring the. I'm like, no, okay. no, 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 listen to me here. You okay. don't pretend okay. that you're good. You are good. Right, right. Well, of course. Okay, we're done. Yeah. You do two shots, <laughs> thanks. Maybe three. Yeah. I'm never going to say that. I'm never going to say, okay, hold on, guys. I'm just adjusting my light. No. I, oh, my God. That blew my mind. I just, why didn't I think of that before? Um, and make them know that I'm just on the spot right there. And now the nice thing with mirrorless is you have the playback in the viewfinder. Mm -hmm. You can shoot and instantly see in the viewfinder whether you have good exposure or not. So it's mm -hmm. possible for you to shoot, see the exposure, and then dial the compensation and tell people, hey guys, just again, boom, and then nail the shot. So it's, it's, it's easier now to look slick and professional than it was. <laughs> so uh, Neil, uh, I wanted to know, can people hire you as their personal coach for photography? And what can they get out of you? Where can they get your books and and all? In, um, on the link I just posted, the Tangents blog, there's a link there to yeah. workshops. I offer workshops, I offer tutoring sessions uh, via Zoom or Skype, or hopefully one day in person again. Cool. Okay, we're gonna check that. I'm gonna pass uh, your information to out to everybody uh, right after this as well. So Neil, I, I wanna. If you don't mind, I would love to hit you up later on um, to go into a, a deeper conversation, make a better, longer video. You okay, can do that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So, uh, Neil, thank you so much for uh, hooking us up with your information. I appreciate you so much, and I will talk to you later.